0: In times of good episodes some fall silent.
1: We. Do. Not.
0: The morality of a spy thriller leads these jerks to argue what DS9 has been selling this whole time. Hard recap, part retrospective. It's time for the rules of acquisition. Alright. Hello, and welcome to... The Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every episode, every single one of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest uh, spy show that's also Star Trek, I guess. Um, My name is Wade Bowen, and with me, as always, is James Nolan, hey, (laughs) and... Hugh Crawford hey and uh yeah we are talking about an episode this time called inter-arma something something blah blah blah
2: yes yeah this is uh inter-arma something something blah blah, blah. it originally aired March 3rd 1999 it is episode 16 of season 7 and here is the IMDB description while making plans to attend a medical conference on the Romulan homeworld, Dr. Bashir is contacted by Sloan of Section 31 and recruited to determine the health of a high-ranking Romulan.
0: Uh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm like, I gotta figure out what the name of this episode actually was. <laughs> Things but, turn yeah.
2: more desperate, though. When the ranking Starfleet admiral traveling with him, who knows about Section 31's interest in the conference, mysteriously suffers a brain aneurysm. After Dr. Bashir finds out that Sloan is traveling with the group, as well, that's uh, one, one hell of a yeah, movie synopsis. In detail. <laughs> yeah, like they they yeah. they're,
0: they're like they got the synopsis and then did started trying to bend and just lay out more details they didn't need for a quick synopsis. Mm-hmm. It's fine.
2: Um, this episode is a Section 31 episode. This is our, is this our second or third one? It's our second.
1: In second the one. Section 31 and Julian Bashir story arc as defined by Memory Alpha. Okay. So it's the second, yeah.
2: This is, uh, like Tinker Taylor spy type stuff, right? It's specifically the plot from the... The spy who came out from came in from the cold. Okay, right. They're not doing both John LeCarre. Right. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yes. You you're picking up what I'm putting down. Mm -hmm. This is not a Star Trek episode. This is (laughs) another case of Star Trek wanting to do something other than Star Trek. Okay.
0: See. Yeah. I mean, and specifically, we're gonna do this other story that just crib it and put it in Star Trek. Right. Yes. Mm Yeah. I
1: mean there is I mean it's very similar where the lead feels that he's got to protect uh, a nice guy and and, <laughs> and get out a bad guy Eastern Ger- German but it turns out that he's really there to protect the bad East German because he's really a secret uh, spy for the right. for, for the spy side.
0: Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Right.
2: Spoiler for a 50-year-old book or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't read a (laughs) lot of
0: John LeCard novels, so...
2: I haven't read any. I I can't... I'm not interested in, like, Cold War machismo type Mm -hmm. stuff by... Yeah,
0: so I can't say, like, how uh, what a downer it is for me that it just was that story I already know. The story that they told here, I thought they did an okay job telling it, even if they were just cribbing from some spy novel, like... I mean, you can say, Oh, it's not Star Trek. You know, the oh, Section thirty one they they're going against Star Trek values and it's bullshit or whatever. But I mean I you do. can say I that. can say that? No, no, I'm saying what people might on the internet detractors <laughs> right. might say. I'm not trying to put words into your ma- mm. mouth Right. Well I'm saying
2: I am a detractor. This is nothing that I this is nothing that I'm interested in whenever I watch a Star Trek show.
0: Right. <laughs> I you know I like it when they try new things I thought they did an okay job with this episode but uh, yeah I end
1: up having a lot of questions about the I like I like in a lot of these episodes this is one of them where I, I I'm constantly trying to figure out what is the moral position on from ds9 like how do they view I mean, when they get to these questions it seems like they're always pushing and pushing into these dark pragmatic pragmatic Pragmatism sort of stances, and this is just one of the questions where, like, I, I,
0: I yeah, I, I,
1: felt like it was the most muddled of what they're trying to say.
0: See, I don't, you, the, I feel like we just have different tastes. Like, I didn't feel like they were trying to sell anything muddled. They're just exploring these questions in these gray areas that don't have, mm-hmm. so they're not coming out saying, this "Yeah, this is so, totally wrong and fucked up." But or, what or, like,
1: would you say is the moral position for DS Nine of DS Nine?
2: Oh man, my moral position is it's five o'clock on Friday, and we need to bang out the script. <laughs> like I really, I don't. I that's the thing i have coming away from this. Like, well, I mean, I don't think that this show has an overarching point of view other than they like they have they, but they have like yips and tendencies that they the, that they go to.
0: It's the same moral th- argument that I've been saying since the beginning that this show has done th- differently than other Star Trek. I think like whereas. You know, TNG was all about this idealism and optimism, and like if we're we can appeal to our better angels, and and that's gonna work out for us in the well, and things will be great if as long as we are true of heart and doing trying and acting accordingly. Whereas DS9 says the world is more complicated; the rest of the world isn't gonna act with your Federation ideals. And how do you navigate a world that doesn't agree with you that if we just all acted like Boy Scouts? I think you're
2: completely great. misreading the Star Trek Next Generation uh, point of view because the most famous thing that Picard ever said in that was that you could do everything right and still lose. That's not, uh, that's not weakness. That's life. So that's not be true of heart and everything will turn out okay. Which,
0: when, when, which quote is that from? I can't remember.
2: That's from the, the the data episode where they're having the trial whether or not he's he's a uh, he, uh, sentiment oh, yeah. or not. Yeah. So it's not that's not that's not a sentiment that Star but, Trek. I mean,
0: my my point this, of that... like DS Nine is like the world is full of gray areas and how do you navigate it? I've, I've, i I've is the point I've made since. But period. where do you come? Uh, but like it, it's it's exploring the how. But
1: I mean, we're almost at the end game. Where would where do we feel like? It does think where where should we go?
0: It's not that's like uh, my whole point is like it's not trying to give you the, the the answer. It's saying that you have to kind of there's no right or wrong. I mean, uh, it's, moral
2: ambiguity is their standpoint.
0: Well, yeah, just things aren't clear cut, and that you know. So,
1: what should be our guiding principles when coming up against moral? I mean, I feel I feel like it has a point of view. I'm just trying to discern it, right? Um, right. And I don't feel like it does. Because I mean, I, neither, I, one, I of neither the, one of you. I'm the only one that has a sense that maybe the show has a moral point of view.
0: I mean, it would be wrapped up in uh, the big speech at the end that Sloane gets to Julian. Like, we actually need people like you that do want to do the right thing. Federation
2: needs men like you, Doctor. Men of conscience. Men of principle men who can sleep at night
1: because you're useful idiots for us
0: no but he's not even it's not like you're there's that as part of sloan but also there's not just the pragmatism he's like i know i'm i'm a fallen individual where i'm all about this brutal pragmatism but i want there to be the federation needs men like you
2: you're also the reason section 31 exists someone has to protect men like you from a universe that doesn't share your sense of right and wrong. Thank life.
0: you for being a decent human being isn't just thank you for being decent so that I can manipulate so you which is also part of it but
1: So let's bring that I mean that's uh that's almost the speech that uh Colonel Jessup gives in all the all all the whatever what the fuck am I the that you you can't handle the truth. A few good men. Uh, yeah. I mean that's yeah. the that's the speech that Colonel Jessup gives in that movie and it's The You know, obviously in in that scene and in that movie, it's clearly rejected, you know, that you a crime committed for this vague concept of the good of America or protecting the people. uh, A crime committed in that name is still a crime and should not be done, you know, that that you go to jail for that. Right. They, you know, and that you violated a principle, even if you did it for the greater good, it's still... You know, then you're just turning it into a trolley Still problem. Still a garbage move, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and it seems like um, I can't. I think the show comes out. It's a trolley problem. It's a trolley problem. But I just don't know. They keep putting this trolley problem on, on the show, and I'm not really sure where Iris, even
2: Bear, or the where the show, and just the show wants I to think it's, pull the lever on that. You're not From, sure, because I don't think that there is, like, I don't think there's an official stance of this. They sh- just, like, the like asking the, the question? Making these stories. Well, I, yeah. think,
0: I, I think at the end of this, Section 31 is still the bad guy. I don't think this pulls any, especially more so than, say, Discovery, which... Well, Cisco's boss was cool with it, yeah. But Cisco's boss is not the good guy at the end of this either. This and also,
1: th- I mean, we should point out that this is very similar to what Cisco did, where kill one person to save millions. But it's that was sort of what was faced with this with kill uh Adrian Barbeau or to you know to save millions yeah, but theoretically. That, I don't
0: think it's sold as I personally didn't see it sold as like that was the right move in this. I felt like Bashir is abhorred by that, and I think I was. On his, I was he was my point of view character to still right. be he was a by that yeah. He was he, he was, but was.
1: I can't. But I that's the thing is I don't feel. And then at the very, I feel that in the pale, I feel like in the pale moonlight at the end of that episode, which is basically written by Ronald D. E. Moore, he comes and this is written by Ronald D. E. Moore, so it's fair to compare. They're the same voice at the end of in the pale moonlight. It comes to this conclusion where you feel that I think that the majority of people watching that feel that Cisco made the right choice and it was dark pragmatism and in this I mean Ross and Sloan both are preaching the same dark pragmatism that that Cisco did that that I felt like the episode was approving of here and then having, you, I know, don't, see, in, you know, sort of having Bashir make a gym face
0: at it. I, so I wasn't,
1: I I'm kind of muddled by the, the morality of
0: it. I, I'm not as much like, and this is a different episode than in The Pale Moonlight. That was, Cisco was a point of view character and you kind of go with that. And at the end of this... Bashir was the point of view character in this where he's abhorred by it and Admiral Ross is not in the right at the but, end of it. Okay, but if we so, follow well, let me the point of view character... But I'm following the point of view character and then at the end of it, Admiral Ross is still not the guy in the right and Sloan's not in the right and Julian is the good person, the decent human being who is the point of view I, I agree with. But then at the very end, Sloan says, we needed some, a good person like you who can sleep good at night being the, the good human being, but at the very end of it, he's not sleeping well. So it's a little bit tense. So he's not sure about it. But at the same time, the whole point is that you, he shouldn't be sleeping well about it. So he's saying
1: that, yeah, you need goody, we need goody two shoes. It's
0: not just goody two shoes. I don't think he's, we need men of good moral character like you. I don't think it's like so a So majority. We can
1: run around and have bad moral character which the realm needs because for the good doing, of the realm. We're running,
0: around, we're running around with their bad moral character because we believe in you. Uh,
1: but I don't, I'm just saying that the same show is giving you these opposite sort of messages. And but it, I this there's two
0: different episodes. They can it's give written by two the, different, okay, um, okay. <laughs> I know it's like, don't, I mean, you're. I'm not trying to cut you off, but I'm just trying to get my point out. Yeah, I mean, it's two different, it is written by the same guy. And I agree that it might be a little bit different than that other episode, but. This, is, this episode, I felt like, was doing something slightly different.
2: Yeah, I feel like from episode to episode with these characters, they do whatever they want. Like, I don't feel, feel like there's a unifying point of view or, you know, something they're trying to get across as together as a team of writers. Star Trek Deep Space Nine feels, feels the most disjointed out of, out of all of them. Of all the Star Treks, almost or as I mean, if you oh, take from the, a morality perspective. right from a morality's perspective
0: yeah i mean i wouldn't necessarily i don't think
2: they have like a set of set parameters for their morality that they're trying to like navigate us through as an audience
0: yeah i might agree with you that, but but other other ones like voyager and enterprise i think they try to get
2: within the framework of each episode they're just trying to get their stories told i don't feel like
0: right well like all the other ones I feel like the other episodes, series just have that kind of default Star Trek thing that they can say vague and just be platitude, speak in platitudes and not worry about it because we're Star Trek and we're just talking about Star Trek things, whereas DS9 is trying to do more things, and so you might be right that it's not quite as solid with what it's saying.
2: Do you feel differently, James, about Deep Space 9 Do you feel like they have something that they're trying to tell us?
0: It makes me wonder...
1: Did I, you know, and this is maybe self-reflective, but maybe what really gravitated to me and spoke with me the first time I watched DS9, I was a younger man. And at that time, I maybe thought that shows that had moral ambiguity were somehow bigger-headed or more like artistically adventurous than shows that have uh like a consistent moral view. I, d- I definitely because think that I I think we associate a consistent moral view with like uh like school or holding
2: hold, be- or hold handing the yeah. audience's hand.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so I think that when you see things that are. Morally ambiguous. I mean you think about all those sort of things that teens like or you know sort of edgy, you know Sort of edgy m- movie teens and stuff like that you are we all sort of these grayer Worlds and I wonder if like DS9 gets by on a lot of capital for that and me just at 40 at where I'm at in my life I just put less of a value on that because I really want to know what a work is saying Like, it's really important to me, like a work in total. And so now it it, it frustrates me because it's not like they have a point of view. They're just they're subverting a point of like a point of view that you've come to expect from Star Trek and sort of maybe riding on that capital instead of
2: having something to say. And that's what I'm starting to kind of wonder. Is does it? Oh, I definitely agree. I think that I think that, that sometimes moral ambiguity and storytelling could be like Ashton Kutcher playing Steve Jobs. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, you could they're putting on smart face. Is that what that's called? <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> I think th- I, I definitely get that.
0: Yeah, I feel like maybe we've s- some ways swapped positions from when we started this podcast. Oh, yeah, like I'm like, yeah, it's no more. Like I feel like y'all were more arguing for this nuance and I was like, oh no, it's I'm here for the Star Trek idealism and now I'm like I'm I'm here for the not idealism and just exploring the human darkness or blah 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 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're like, no, where's my fucking idealism? This is Star Trek and I'm like, Well, the whole this is doing something, you know. Right. And I
1: wanna be clear. I don't wanna like the moral ambiguity stuff and that wouldn't be the problem if I felt they were leading to it like it doesn't even I'm not like okay I'm not saying that it has to be like you know Marx was right I'm saying that I don't even know if it's moving to a more nuanced theme I don't even know the theme of it right and these episodes feel like karaoke
2: I think that's a problem right
1: that's another but but when you take these big swings at moral questions like this when you take these attacks that are showing you I mean, what they're doing is going through, I mean, like they said The Spy who, uh, Came In From the Cold is a Cold War novel. You start dissecting these, mis- what we all assumed in the 90s were mistakes of the Cold War. And you start sort of making a case for them like they do here. I mean, because the uh, in the, Pale Moonlight is very much like the Gulf of Tonkin, which, as we're recording this today, our government is actually trying to do with Iran, like, tonight, yeah. by fabricating some bullshit. But that's, like, what Cisco did, and it made sort of a defense of that, of that Gulf of Tonkin. And this makes a defense of these sort of killing good reformers to, to prop up bad actors because that helps our interests, that kind of stuff. And it's giving a case and a voice to that, and that's fine if you think that some of the excesses of the Cold War were necessary for peace, Iris Stephen Bayer or Ronald D. Moore, maybe I, I feel like at some point you need to start making that point clearer. But if you're just like, wouldn't it be edgy if we made a defense of the Gulf of Tonkin or something like that? Then See,
0: I don't, I don't I, think I, the show is doing that. I don't think I just the show think is they think
2: John Lacar's cool. I don't think they're yeah, thinking of that. probably, I, but that, I think
0: there's truth in John Le Car novels that they're exploring, probably.
2: I don't know. I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. Think that, I mean, in this I story... Think there's, like, I don't think there's, they're, they're hunting specific truths. I think they're just doing a cover song.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure, but I mean, there's there could be something in that cover song that is actually reflecting actual th- things instead of just being totally gibberish.
2: It's like if I went to the bar and I started singing, Don't Let Me Down, but I'm not really feeling like I'm... Want somebody to don't let me down like I like the original does like I I think something's lost when you do a cover song. I, but
0: you don't know. we all admitted we're not terribly familiar with those John Le Carr books? I mean,
2: I'm I'm going off with all the other covers that I am familiar with, all the westerns, all the the Godfather stuff. Like right. I'm the, well,
0: I'm just talking about this episode, and I thought it was actually pretty. I thought it was a good episode. Well, but. yeah, I mean, I thought it was probably I thought it
1: was well written, and I love. I think that uh, uh, um, Sloan, what's his fucking name? William Sadler. I love that actor. William Sadler. I think he's great. I love Adrian Barbeau. Big Swamp Thing fan from when I was a kid. That was a formative. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I think it's well performed. I don't think it's fuck. it didn't make, I mean, it didn't make me want to fucking die. Like, uh, maybe some episodes did. Right, right. Some of these cover episodes. And that it was more competent on that level, but I'm still, A, it is just, you know, it isn't uniquely Star Trek, you know, so we can't give them points on originality, and it is familiar. But I also, like, I don't, I wish there was a clear statement to where where that is. I
0: still think it's pretty clear that Bashir is the point of view character and that those guys are, are making... But it's,
1: uh, okay, so, but I'm saying not what does Bashir think, what does the show think about what transpired? I think... The show thinks... It, that it was bad? That it was bad, because, yeah, like... It's see. the same thing that happened in Pale Moonlight. Sh-
0: it's two different... Do ep- you think... Can-
1: nope. That gets to my nope. point. No, I'm saying, do you think the show was on the side of what Cisco did in the Pale Moonlight? Yes. I think it was, too. So shouldn't I, as a critic of the show try to pursue what the show is saying from these two opposites
0: it's not even that different because they're both written by the same guy. But just because but they're different situations written by the same guy but he's not, the author comes to a different conclusion. So you
1: find me wanting to square that circle irritating but I want to square that circle.
0: No but you're saying that they're one to one ratios and this isn't like we. They're comparable as comparative
1: criticism usually is.
0: They are but the situation that this says is wrong in this is not like we we're gonna die and lose this war if we don't bring the romulans in this is Why like, i think they're both because this is the, saying this is a different situation the head of
1: the tal shiar of the roman empire is a stooge of the american of go- the federation it's a
0: different situation because this isn't about winning this war this is like setting up for the next one That's so you're even...
1: so you feel that this show is advocating for a purely situationalist moral ethic
0: no this situation is treated differently and comes to a different conclusion about this different situation than the situation in the pale moonlight
1: and there's no overarching moral ethic that guides the show just whatever the
2: situation uh dictates you mean overarching over the series right he's talking about the series though from from episode to episode right yeah
1: right right i'm trying to figure out what this show what ds9 has to say about ethics ethics
0: right ethics I'm not afraid to use the word ethics.
2: Skinned away, you can't even trust a fix. <laughs> uh, right, and, I, that, and I'm what I'm telling you is I don't. Th- I think they just like kick it around to get to the end of the episode think... when they're writing it, and I don't think that they care about an overarching. I, you're probably right. I really don't feel like I really. See, don't... I
0: mean, that's what I was getting at before. I feel like they're more, they're more ex- interested in exploring this stuff than other Star Trek. Maybe not as like TNG had its own theories, but then after that Voyager and Enterprise, they're like, oh, let's get back to whatever the TNG thesis is, and then Voyager kind of waters it down and muddies it up, and then by Discovery, they're just like, well, platitudes because we believe it's Starfleet because it's
2: Voyager good. actually puts up Federation ideal. Like, are you still the Federation when nobody's looking? That's its moral thing. So, mm-hmm. right, like, who are you when nobody's looking? Is what Federate? What Voyager's is about to a certain extent mm-hmm. yeah so if, if you're the if you're a federation or if you're a mark maquis and you're cut off from your organizational's value organization's values then who are you right mm-hmm. so i mean so it don't that show actually did have a you know uh,
0: right and it's mostly it's made to match up with what tng is doing and then ds9 is in the war show saying when you're Faced when your whole civilization and is faced with this existential uh, crisis of of like this is your civilization and ideals are going to be wiped out. How do what what do you do in the face of that? And then that's where they get exploring this kind of spy politics and. stuff.
1: And I would assume that the you know at some point by the end I didn't watch Voyager, but I assume at some point in Voyager you do feel it. It, it sort of. Answered that statement about these people at least. That's what these these what your space friends were all about. And so I'm starting, we're we're ten episodes away, man. We're 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 getting towards the end. And so I'm starting to put out the feelers of what this show has. You're right that what you have to do to survive when your back is against the wall, like the things you have to do when your back's against the wall seems to be about what DS9's really exploring. And I'm just I'm trying to sort of feel what it has to say because it is do you get do you save yourself through a strong rectitude to your moral ethic which i think tng definitely was right And and this i'm like wondering is about having some bend and give about your moral ethic but once you say that and that that can be a perfectly fine Thing that, and I think it probably is what the DS DS9 is saying. Once you say that, then it puts the onus on. Well, what's too much? Right, and it's the next question when when you're arguing these kind of shades of gray. And there, I just don't know what they have
0: to say. And I think what this episode is exploring that question exactly, like what you're saying. I think what this episode kind of posits differently than. Uh, in the Pale Moonlight, like in the Pale Moonlight is our backs were against the wall faced with annihilation. Unless I did this and it's kind of might probably we're going to agree it might have been the right choice. Where this one is Bashir, our point of view character, is abhorred by it because he he points out in the episode, it's, it's not, wait a minute, this isn't because our backs are against the wall and we're faced with uh, annihilation if we don't, Finagle to get Adrian Barbeau murdered, he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're not even doing this to save us right now. You're using this as practice going forward. And you're thinking not about this war, but the next war, with the assumption that we're just going to fight in an endless war after this, whereas our whole ideals of Starfleet is supposed to be what keeps us from getting into these kind of conflicts and this kind of idealism that is what prevent, what makes us better than we used to be as humanity and now with section 31 this the bad guy still of this dark kind of cancer on the show is that if we go your ways then we're not thinking about how do we avoid wars we're thinking about how do we win the next one and i think the show i causes, don't even know if
1: i agree that that's the theme of this episode right, he literally but says, he that. says that no he, i
0: know i know that i know that he literally says that in this episode this war isn't over and you're already planning for the next.
1: I know that. Well put. I think Sloane and Ross, I think the episode thinks Sloane and Ross are
2: right. I don't think, I, I actually had Wade's reading on this when I watched it, uh-huh. that these two people were, like one guy is somebody who, who acts uh, like on the wrong side, Sloane. Mm-hmm. One guy acts in, in the middle gray area, Admiral Ham Sandwich, by like being, right. and then one guy is on the right, side of the argument which is our man Bashir because he can't sleep at night and he's a good man so mm-hmm. I thought that that's the, that's the spectrum and then we have three characters on it
0: right and also with that spectrum that you're talking about just right there Sloan is the guy who is the corrupted bad guy that is arguing for that right you know uh, Ross is a good guy he means well he has federation principles in mind but he also is kind of corrupted by that kind of thought I don't like it
1: But I've spent the last year and a half of my life ordering young men and young women to die. I like that even less.
0: And then Bashir is the one that sees through and says, "Right, no, we can't be like that." He's the good man. But then at the end of it, he's like, "But wait, Mm -hmm. is this what we have to do?"
1: We will get a chance to revisit this conversation. So,
2: like, I don't. Yeah, (laughs) but I thought that was the last scene that we that we kind of talked about. I had, I think, this is a very. This is the first time in a long time that Wade and I have had the exact same reading on the, <laughs> on the scene, I think. Yeah, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that I didn't. But, like, it was pretty spot on where he talks about how the guy, how he says, Become, you, yeah. we need guys that could. they are so good that they can sleep at night. And then he can't sleep at night because he's like, what, what have I been a party to? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's yeah, yeah. them. But
1: on the other hand, it is it is contrasted with the
2: Cisco being the same way. But... James, and, how these these shows are written and made, it could just be a director's note at the end where it's like, Oh, I hey hey, what hey, uh what if uh, my character doesn't get this doesn't actually get to sleep? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. All right, let's break from yeah, lunch. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I
1: it's mean true. Like, I mean, like, like, it's there, you're right that it, it could I don't be don't put a whole no lot reason of, to sort of I
2: don't put a whole And lot I of, do
1: think that it is interesting because this is you know, this is the last episode before the ten episode big fucking story art which right, right. Sloan and and section 31 plays a huge part in. I
2: don't think so, you're
1: wrong for trying to yeah.
2: find a through line <laughs> though. Yeah. <laughs> but I think trying to find a through line to, to I mean a lot what what I what I've learned on this rewatch is a lot of this it, there's a lot of fat on the bone. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff yeah. that these guys they weren't interested in doing Star Trek all the time. They'd much rather do something else in space you know, Bridge Over the River Quiet in space, All Quiet on the river, Western Front in space, uh, Godfather Part Two in space. I mean, mm. they just wanted to do karaoke songs on for syndicated TV. It wasn't...
0: Well, I think maybe Bear wanted to do karaoke songs on TV. And he like, ran the show. It was his show. <laughs> but Ronald D. Moore comes as, you know, going forward doing Battlestar, was like saying, I wanted to do stories with Star Trek that Star Trek wouldn't let me do. And he got to do more of that in DS nine than he did in Voyager and Dexter going forward.
2: That's why Caprica failed, is because because Ronald D. Moore went hard into the paint with serialization. What people liked about Battlestar Galactica Mm. is it won one episode ended, you immediately had to start the next one mm-hmm. because of how it was paced. Yes. That's what people liked about the show. Nobody cared, cared about the world in which it was set in. People liked the storytelling no, but n- Ronald- the mode of serialization that Ronald D. Moore like went hard for. So But
0: Ronald D Moore wanted to do stuff that he couldn't do. I like, understand you, that you know- and I,
2: I, I totally I'm I'm agreeing with you. I think, yeah. I think Even if point... it has
1: Yeah, yeah Even if it has A dark ambiguity I'm just afraid At the end You'll get I'm afraid If I ask this question What is the moral Point of view Of the show I'm afraid That at the end Of it It'll, it'll be The the Federation ideals Were the friends We made along the way You know That <laughs> It's about family and it's about coming together as a team. You know, like I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I'm afraid that it's it's pretty empty, but, yeah, and that, I, I that, want it to be a little bit what?
0: That's discovery. Yeah,
1: I'm afraid that this will be afflicted with that too. Oh, yeah. For all of its darkness and all of the 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 sort of breaking with uh, which I agree is a interesting. That's a that's a card to play that isn't an empty card. It isn't a dumb card to play. It's it's pretty cool. If You're all sort of leading, even if it's, even if it is, does have this sort of dark prag. I mean, I think it is a dark. I think. The, I mean, I think that Cisco is a dark, pragmatic character, and theoretically, he's the lead of the show. Um, <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. you would think that that would be the moral sort of
0: <laughs> right well, okay, framework there, of the there, show. There
2: are 173 Star Trek Deep Space Nine episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, like 10 of them showcase maybe that... That that dark, pragmatic, th- yeah. These moral mm-hmm. questions, yeah, maybe, maybe 10 of them do. That's true. Yeah, out of 173, I mean,
0: right? Yeah, they they spend a lot of time trying to figure out what they're doing. You know, <laughs> and, yeah, talking about Cisco being that like they do a. We've talked enough. We don't need to break the show down, but it you know they do a a boardroom at, like let's talk about how the war's going scene, and Cisco's not even in it. It's with <laughs> you know, it's with Kira leading it and Adrian Barbo, who is Cretech now, who mm-hmm. was another actor before. Yes, right. But yeah like it's all colonel kira leading the meeting with admiral and and the romulans and then it's not until bashir goes in later and says hey boss can i go to this conference i got contacted by sloan and that cisco's like yes 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 you're going to be my agent and turns out that admiral ham sandwich was in on it the whole time people talk up that finally, Admiral Ross is the one of the finally a good admiral in Star Trek, and I posit that this episode says, "Wait a second, he's kind of good." But nope, this is where I throw a flag and say, "Nope, they're all corrupted," mm. you know. But but that's a matter of opinion,
1: and but, I don't yeah. know. But yeah, yeah, and I don't yes like the bad admirals thing is is a is, is a continuing sort of makes me wonder about the uh, yeah you know, I don't know I don't know they really struggled to. I mean, I you know, I, we, we talked early on about the problem as Roddenberry set up to TNG was that they really couldn't argue amongst themselves. So it was really deployed, de- devoid of there was it was hard to find conflict in the stories. And right. so you had to struggle. And so they sort mm-hmm. of broke that on the show and 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 found themselves having, you know, to some degree, found themselves having uh, a lot of sort of personal struggles and were able to sort of do these darker shows I mean, a lot of it was, you know, you know, you think of a show like Duet, which is probably the first heavy episode they did, you know, like morally heavy episode, but it was sort of looking at a Nazi, you know, a Nazi officer and in full with their guilt and sort of exploring their guilt. And ultimately you end up feeling sympathetic for the guy and his guilt, but not that it's unfounded or undeserved. So it's just sort of looking deeper into character, but the moral framework is, is sort of sound. It really isn't until, I mean, it really is the pale moonlight that really does do a sharp break and introduce this, like, sometimes the tough call has to be made. You know, at some time, it, the, there is a trolley problem and you do have to pick. Which way It's interesting to me that
2: you've picked. I mean, these are the best episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. These are these are you. You've mentioned like three episodes <laughs> <laughs> to to be the representative, yeah, re- representation uh, viewpoint of the whole series. Yeah, and I really don't feel that way. I feel like there are six episodes, and that if you could pick, you could. P- <laughs> You could pick some really dumb episodes and say that that was what Star Trek was really about. Yeah,
0: right. I think there's little themes in it that set it up a little bit earlier. There's these. There's probably six episodes that are just about that. But there's there's thematic elements in the show that bring up like the Cardassians, post-occupiers. Like, and there's good ones and there's bad ones. You know, that that kind of shade of gray elements. Kira being a terrorist and. Ducats kind of though in later seasons he just kind of flips to a bad guy you know very mm. so it, it you know it's not just all like oh it time it suddenly flips to being about these gray issues and, with, in the pen and film, the really
1: issues are dealt with in TNG too like the there's good romulans in the yeah, Leonard yeah. Nimoy story arc and there's you know, you think a Rolarin is a terrorist, and then Bajoran so. politics. I mean, there, there are, are yeah, they yeah, yeah. are sort of extenuating it. It's the it's that break that I mean, you're right. Hugh's the- thesis he could very well be right that they just kind of fucked up and had these dark breaks <laughs> almost <laughs> on accident, and they don't hold water from a viewpoint perspective. And that'd be disappointing if that's true, but it it probably is.
0: I don't think it's. I mean, I think they struggled for two seasons to figure it out what they were doing, who were doing it all. They're honking on old TNG scripts. No, I'm saying but I think they start to. I'm saying all the yeah, something. they completely lose their uh, way. Yeah.
2: Wait, I think that oh, there's
0: definitely some meandering.
2: Well, I mean, like last season was a unmitigated disaster. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we have different. I had differing opinions on a lot of those episodes. I know okay, well,
2: I'm just within the framework that we're talking about with these episodes, with the through line. It is. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, I saw what they were doing with some of those episodes that y'all hated so much. No, no, no. I'm not talking...
2: No, I'm not talking about what what they were trying to... Like, I'm talking about with the through line that you guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm saying w- James keeps on talking about these great episodes and he's, there's like six of them that have well, this They're, they're line. not only great, but
1: they specifically like have these moral questions that are different than I have a point of view. You,
2: I understand that. It yes. seems like
1: they're trying to make a different statement. They're singing a different song than what you right. normally get. And I just don't right. know if that song makes sense or, you know, is, and I, and I say
2: that those are such statistical outliers over the whole, you think it's accidental? Yeah, I don't think it's accidental. I'm not saying nothing's really on accident. I just don't think
0: you're so. saying that those episodes he's bringing up are not anomalous to what? Yeah, the show I think
2: that like. when you look at at 172 episodes, and we really gush about maybe tw- 10 of them, and then maybe 12, just for different reasons. Well, we could, you know, that's not that great of a batting average.
0: I think. I mean, I think even in the bad episodes, they're trying to sell stuff that they might not do as well, like even in, even in that. No,
2: specifically with what, what, with what James is saying though. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I could say even in the O'Brien guy who gets, has a cat episode, the noir one that they're doing mm-hmm. stuff. But with that, that would have been done as TNG. You know, and done that would have, that would have
1: been a TNG episode.
0: Um, maybe. I, I
1: mean, there's no moral break from a philosophy. From a philosophy standpoint, there's no philosophical break from I'm the saying. philosophy and TNG. Right. In in that episode.
0: Well you would you would have it, that's like having Roland go over to the Maquis and then at the end That's what he said earlier is that But at the that, end of that you have Picard chewing her out for being wrong. Whereas But you she was don't a terrorist already when she came where, on. Yeah.
1: So like it's not like it's not like Kira does a bunch of terrorist shit during the show. She just was a terrorist no. in that situation. So they don't have to answer that moral right, question. Right. No, in fact I'm, I get a little irritated that she doesn't. Yeah. yeah so I mean I think this show wants to end up I do think the show wants to bring up obviously all of the dangling plot lines but also have a storyline one of that's about religion and people or something and then the other I'm wondering about how we should respond when what do you do do when the going gets tough kind of situation right 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 right. And, and to me the show seems to be all over the place with regard to that answer and I hope it comes to a a, a finer point yeah as it goes. yeah i
0: don't think tv shows were as as good about hitting those one point as hard
1: i think you're right wait i, I think tng did
0: <laughs> well that's because i'm saying but yeah because it's hitting hard on those like yes roddenberry ideals where this is trying to is do something different, different or what are
1: what are they hitting hard on what are their ideals? Is my question.
0: Well, I've, we've spent like, I think I spent like 44 minutes. Well, at this you just said, I mean, you said it was earth.
1: situational, and that's probably true. But And
0: it's that dark that's like when yeah. you're facing... Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, mean that, that,
1: that may be true. Uh, Hugh's right. It may be just non in no way or no order at all to it
2: i don't know Yeah, i mean i I, I really mostly because another another through line throughout all these episodes is a lot of the decision making seems to be very flippant it does well that's or that's or in the hands of the actors like the actors have to like go to bed so many times and say no why would my character do this and fight you know, they're constantly fighting with the creators to, to have their characters do stuff that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, Star Trek's been flippant forever about like, oh, the prime directive gets turned on and off as the plot needs to, you know, or as the episode demands it. So, right. And I and think I that's a, a weakness. I, have, <laughs> problems. I so. have
2: problems with that, too. Yeah. I, I would definitely mm-hmm. think that if. Yeah.
0: But I don't think it's a weakness that other Star Treks don't. All sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I only mean that as an example to how flippant they are towards yeah. major stuff that happens mm-hmm. in the show. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, they made Julian,
1: they totally revamped his character on like a fly.
2: Right. And they introduced a lounge singer as a main character for, like, yeah. A, a season and a half so let's i'm not just because they like it you know it's not because mm. yes yeah, so yeah, i know yeah. you'll hate it so i i have more of a i know how the show feels about 1960s pop culture right right but I, know, I, movies you know, but i don't know the answer you know what movies iris Stephen bear likes yeah right 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 so i'm like I, I have a better this show is showing us who they are yeah but i don't think that they're it's not going to be coming to a com-
1: like a satisfying whole as a as a sort of an epic story. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe yeah, like we're doing a lot of talking about what the show how the show is coming together and y'all are you're not wrong to point out and be confused like by it doing different things. Like but this episode was this episode at least had a pretty thorough throughput and held together. Yes. Mm-hmm. It even it went out of its way to even tie together uh past character bits from, you know, He's there at that conference to talk about the quickening from that one episode, one of the first episodes that we liked of Julian, where he's actually doing good doctoring mm-hmm. to cure the big, huge, uh, quickening herpes virus or whatever. Yep. And then we, and you know, when it opened up, I was like, "Oh shit, it's a spy episode, and we're gonna have so much Garrick in it." And I was like, "Oh no, we didn't." Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I was just so happy to see Andrew Robinson at, up front talking about. Yeah. He's talking about like how his time on Romulus, which has been mentioned before in his episodes where he's being emo about his dad or whatever and we learned that when he was a gardener on romulus and he won't say what he was doing but we learned in other episodes he was probably assassinating people and writing
1: a whole book about well there's a whole book about that time
0: <laughs> oh right so, yeah
1: um yeah i and i would uh, to to sort of ask i mean they are trying to ask big questions in this episode the term that the the Latin term that that's the title inter arma enim silent leges, or ledges is it's Cicero and it's like in times of war law is silent. But where uh, Ronald E Moore got the quote from was from a, b- a book written by William Rehnquist the Chief Justice. Oh boy, huh. about um, Lincoln's suspension <laughs> of uh, habeas corpus uh, at, at several times during uh, the Civil War. And that's what the book is about, and it's got that title. And like, I I think that there's an argument, to, you know, if you're if you're evoking one of these, one of the great sort of moral arguments of like what Lincoln, why Lincoln suspended habeas corpus. I mean, that's one of the big sort of legal issues in our in our history is is that event, and that time. And I don't know, I. I I it would seem like I would have I would have Yeah. I I, I it bothers me that they pick such a big sort of thing to get the title from and then like I feel like it's got a pat basic answer and I was like, But aren't you wanting to go this deeper? Like are you just what do you think about what Sloan and Ross said, writer of the show you know, show? What do you think? And up at night. Yeah. For, but is that good?
0: Yeah. I, for me I thought the show showed what they thought about that by bringing up like Julian's mm-hmm. whole like we mentioned before his whole thing where he's like you you know you we haven't even finished this war and you're figuring out how to fight the next one which is, that's where the problem lies mm-hmm. with that kind of thinking.
1: But, like, okay, so for one, I think that one, like, the the Lincoln suspended habeas corpus basically not in two times, but in two different instances. One of which was in, he put a bunch of fucking lawmakers and cops from Maryland in prison. And that's because the army couldn't get to the Capitol. So the Capitol was going to fall if the army. So, anyway, that was clear cut safety of the nation shit. Right. But the other stuff was that he put a bunch of newspaper men in jail in, Ohio, who were writing articles convincing soldiers to uh, desert their service, you. and he put those writers in jail. And his reasoning for that, I think, is a reason he said he says the the death penalty for desert or the penalty for deserting in the military is death. I'll have to put these guys to death according to the law. And these guys are convincing them to break that law. These guys are accompli- accomplices to murder. Oh yeah, and i I have to sort of stop it as that, even though it is technically freedom of speech, and this is a time of war now I'm sure William Rehnquist argues that that was wrong of Lincoln to do that i It just it seems like a loaded question, and it seems like i don't I don't know and it seems to pick that, and that quote, yeah. and that book is your theme and thesis. I'm kind of like you're asking these big questions too, maybe you should i don't know have a better uh, have a clear cut answer to it because i don't think i don't think the argument is necessarily one-sided i think having the head of the tal shiar being a stool for the federation is probably pretty fucking advantageous to the federation and saves lives. I'm sure it does.
0: Right. So but then you're sacrificing your principles. The principles mm-hmm. of what late But like is you, you laid out for
2: like you're sacrificing the principles to save lives. Yeah. yeah. It's a trolley problem. So right. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But
0: and yeah, and then you know, and the Romulan being the big uh, Roman analogue, but then when they he brings that up and Bashir instead of calling the Romulans like Rome, it's like, what is this? This is the 24th century, but what is it? Like 4th century Rome or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Caesar can do no wrong. Is that what you're saying? But
1: to be honest, I mean, I I personally found Bashir's argument in the end facile to the question being asked in a way that I didn't for Pale Moonlight. I'm not even saying that I think that you should be able to kill people for the good of all people. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that I, I don't think that his answer held was overwhelming Ross and Sloan's answers. No. So no. that's what I'm thinking. So I'm like, no. what does the show think?
0: I think...
2: So, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a it's a food for thought thing, where it's like, yeah. well, now, right. now you, you yeah. were a good man who slept mm-hmm. through the night. Now yeah. you've got like something... like You've been presented with a problem you don't know the mm. answer to, and it's going to keep you up at night. Yeah. Right?
1: And I'm not demanding that they have an answer. I'm right. just saying that that seems to me the start of a conversation that leads you into the Big Ten episode series... Where a large part of the war hinges on something that Fed- section 31 did mm-hmm. and, you know, the morality of that. So right. I, I I think it's starting a conversation. And I, that was what my whole point of bringing this all up was, is like, let's start the count. Where are we at on the more, you know, let's start, let's track that now. Right. Because right, I right. think we're in the end game and it's starting to want, it looks like they're wanting to say something, but I don't know what it is. Right. right. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: we get Sloan as an entomologist assistant director of the united ufp department of cartography but they the the romulans being like never say die what the fuck does that mean It's like well it comes from lame some lame poem i <laughs> never i didn't know that that saying came from a 19th century poem that was based on the merchant of venice i was like oh okay yeah. Huh? Hey, I learned yeah, something yeah. from this episode. <laughs> I,
1: I'm sure Ronald D. E. Moore had to go look that up. That was a half a morning in the L.A. library. <laughs> yeah, right. Or whatever. Silver Lake Library. Right. Because <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine that anybody just knows that off the top of their fucking head that isn't employed at a university.
0: Right. Maybe he learned, he learned that in college and it stuck mm. with him and he's been waiting for a script to put it <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, that's one thing.
2: He, that's a <laughs> yeah. deep cut from college. The,
0: the guy has Tuvan syndrome. Was, that's not anything like what... Spock's dad had right. It is it, what he but had, but it affects right? Vulcans, Romulans, and Rigelians.
2: I thought it. I thought that's
1: what he had. Yeah, I thought. I thought it was that what Spock's dad. That's had. what Spock's dad had. Yeah. I wasn't sure.
0: I'm, I'm asking because I'm not sure. Yeah. Because that made him all emotional or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember.
1: I think it's like a Huntington's. Before I'm just. Quite, I'm asking because Vul- I don't know. Both Romulans. Right.
0: right. Yeah. Uh, they have all sorts. And Rigelians. What are Rigelians, anyways? Are they the big brain? With? No, I don't know.
1: Because you asked that question, and because we don't know the answer, we're going to lose face in front of our audience.
0: <laughs> right? Oh man! If you we're didn't ask the question,
1: we... then we would, <laughs> we wouldn't
0: lose face. Um, you didn't ask. You don't know what Ragellians are. Oh, you're not you're not true fans. Hold on! Y'all aren't even watching the movie Regellian. Hold on, hold on.
1: Uh, oh, there's some ugly looking fuckers. They got like uh, crab shit looking shit on their face. Uh, okay. They were in Journey to Babel, Tos, and they're in several episodes. Okay,
0: I've heard of them before. I just don't don't. Are they psychic too or something? I, I don't know. I don't know. They look They're like not.
1: they look like Native Americans with all fucked up crab shell looking shit on their faces. Okay. They don't look Vulcanish really at all.
0: Okay. They just wanted to throw in another reference. Mm-hmm. I get it, Ronald. You know Star Trek inside and out.
1: Yeah, he does some
0: writing. Yeah. Koval was the guy that's on their side that was. Looking like a, he hated the Federation, but he's actually a, a plant and Cree tech, Mm-hmm. He's like, no, she's on our side. She's she's great. She's a patriot. And then Admiral Ross flips that and is like, yeah, she's a patriot. So she'll fuck us if it's in the interest of their Romulans. So that's why we had to get rid of her. And he's like, but she was a good woman. Mm. So, you know. I you I think you're supposed to side with Bashir in that Adrian Barbeau was a great character. But even
1: but even he said but even he said was that she would easily sign in a priest treaty with the Dominion.
0: That's what yeah. If, that,
1: the, if she if she thought so that is for the good of the war they're currently fighting. All uh, right. Which is the same. That is just the, that's the that make that's literally the same thing that uh, that Cisco, Cisco was working yeah. against in Pale Moonlight. So it is I mean I think it's completely re asking the question. I mean it's
0: uh, it's it's not a she could possibly do that. Yeah. I mean but it's not like sh- if we didn't do this we would lose the war. Like it's not set up in such stark terms that it is as it is in the pale moonlight. It's more of like a We're more willing to just instead of for survival so it's the it's for sure so it's just the surety of the
1: outcome is it the surety of the outcome that's the moral break?
0: Well, yeah, because you only do it as a last resort. You don't do it as everyday praxis just to get the most advantageous position in every situation. You can't. You don't live like that. But when you're and I and I and I mean
1: and and that is an argument. I just think it's 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 pretty weak argument against the what he's saying. That's a glib answer
2: in a cheap way.
0: I so. don't know if I agree. It's it's weak. Well, I mean,
1: yeah. You know, yeah, I mean that's a different opinion to me. I, I yeah, mean, yeah. It seems like a weaker argument than yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, All right, but I, I, I mean, I, I think that there's, you know, I don't know, I'm, I don't, I. It's not like a problem that the answer, this, this show doesn't answer the question. I'm just
0: wondering at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Beliferon is the ship with all the people, and
1: it's the only other time you see a whatever the fuck a Voyager is.
0: Oh right, yeah.
1: Type ship on the show. In fact, I don't even think in one shot they didn't scrub the letters off.
0: <laughs> really, Did save Voyager.
1: And the reason they did that is because Ronald D Moore was trying to help them save money, and he just wanted to shoot the whole thing on the Voyager set, which is what they did. Oh, that's cool. Except for the final scene at the council, uh, (laughs) where uh, uh, Keanu Reeves' dad from Bill and Ted Uh uh, sentenced Adrian Barbeau to death. (laughs) The head of the Rome, whatever the Romulan Council, was uh, Keanu Reeves' dad in Bill and Ted, which means (laughs) that
0: set looked almost like a set from uh, *Bogus Journey*. Oh, it does. And
1: this (laughs) cat and this cast has two. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey actors, and William Sadler,
0: mm-hmm. and uh, the dad, that him. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Death and self. hmm uh-huh.
1: He's reprising his roles, Death. Did you guys know that? I think both of them are <laughs> reprising their roles, so they get to come together again, these two cast members.
0: Ooh.
2: <laughs> William Sadler played Billy, uh, not Billy, the kid uh, played, uh, oh, uh. Clyde Barrow's dad in the Bonnie and Clyde movie I watched on Netflix with.
1: Oh, really? Is that hmm. the one? The Bonnie with the one with uh, Emil Hirsch with
2: Speed Racer? No, no, no. This is the you never actually see Bonnie and Clyde, and it. it's it's. Uh, oh, about the. Kev Costner and Woody Harrelson. The, yes. 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 Where these two old the old Texas Rangers have been tasked with finding Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, man. Sadler's in that. It's a Netflix movie. It is uh you know
0: not as good as wandering earth <laughs> well
2: it's i could go on about it i'm not gonna so i'm, I'm, not gonna I'm go watching
1: it. i'm a, i'm sleeping on my cousin's couch on saturday night and i he we're at the television on and he i start seeing ads for season two of a kevin costner show i've never fucking heard of oh
2: yellowstone
0: yellowstone yeah Oh, that show did like top ratings since Yeah, that's one. a
2: bonker it, show. It was that's the biggest
0: hit the Paramount Network ever had.
2: People love that
1: show. Yeah, it was the Paramount Network we were watching. Yeah, yeah. And it's got that horrible actress from uh Used to be Spike TV.
2: True Detective Season Two as the female lead.
0: Oh. Yeah, that show's huge.
2: Where are we on this? Are we at the are were we rewatching meter yet? Or final thoughts? Oh,
0: uh, I think we are. Yeah, yeah. I think uh Sloan gets zapped. And disintegrated, but not really. And he shows up, and yeah. No. And, and then you have the, the moral question scene at the end. But yeah, we're done. I think. That, I think we we've talked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can move on to the rewatch. All, All right, right. I, Hit it. Uh, James. What would you think? I, I
1: mean, I, I didn't hate this episode. Other than it, I mean, I think I probably like spy movies more than you, Hugh. I, you're, I write that I would, I would rather than be doing Cisco like Cisco and Team episodes, but again, it's another one actor goes away for a while. I don't know. I give it a,
0: a, I'd give it
1: a five, six.
2: I'll give it a six.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll give it a seven.
2: Yeah, I'd probably give it a a four. Mm-hmm. Like it's watchable. It's just nothing I'm interested in. Yeah. Hmm. But if it was on, mm-hmm. you know, if Sadler was
1: worse, if they had gotten a this good actor and this this oh, this yeah. stuff could be fucking horrible.
0: Imagine if they instead of Sadler they had the guy that played Duran in that uh, yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Ooh, episode. yeah,
2: this is very very close to being bad, like unwatchable with a different actor. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Brad so. Dorff yeah.
1: would you, Brad Dorff would have made the role fun too. Oh yeah, uh, he, he, he makes every goddamn. He gets
0: he gets on Voyager, I believe. Right? Yes. Oh great! Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. He Plays a serial killer. Or he he does play a serial killer on Voyager. Does he, he usually? Yes, play. he plays serial yes. killer. Yeah, on,
1: yeah. Uh,
0: on everything. He,
1: on the on the Silence of the Lambs episode that uh, rip
2: off episode <laughs> that X Files does, he plays the Hannibal Lecter. Oh, okay. You guys want to guess what the IMDb people think of this episode? Oh.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Seven point five.
1: I'll
2: go seven point eight. And they fucking love this episode.
0: That's about to say. I wasn't sure. It's if It's at nine hundred
2: and seventy-four go. votes, and it's at eight point four. Wow! This is that's, one of the wow. highest-rated people. They do have their. They have their. This is Ashton Kutcher as Steve Jobs. <laughs> people. Love their smart face, or their—they <laughs> love their smart face. Yeah. Instead of being vexed by what does this show actually think? Well, I think what the yeah. bo- viewpoint. I think most people see this and be like, "This is so yes, these are good questions." Yes, these are good I, questions. They're yeah, not treating me
1: like them. a kid anymore. They're asking the tough. Yeah. and that's
2: definitely what I liked about it when in two thousand
1: and five. This show's asking the tough questions, man. We're not fucking snowflake babies. This
2: is the real world. Right, it's dark and shit's weird and complicated. Right, and but, now, it, I, but now, it's like, well, every time I read the news, I like yeah, my head, my be, head, face right, was to yeah. explode and with dark, complicated.
0: Yeah, I mean. It's not Zack Snyder. It's not Batman versus Superman here, but I think mean, yeah, morally
1: it is, more it is. So than you get. I think definitely morally it is. I don't is. think it is. I think, I think it's, it's definitely thinking. It's not.
0: What is that name? Why did you say that? It's not stupid, no, I mean, but
1: it's it's, it's it's mining the same <laughs> yeah, moral ground. That's
0: what I'm saying. It's not stupid like that movie. Is. Well, <laughs> but,
1: I mean, they got stupid episodes in here, but yeah, I mean.
0: Oh, don't get me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they do, <laughs> but they're they're a different kind of stupid than yes. Than, why did you say that name? <laughs> yes,
1: I, I I do think it maybe it views <laughs> like it, like we always often say that Zack Snyder liked The Watchmen for the wrong reasons, and that's evident in his movie. Yeah. I think maybe the edgy thing that gravitated him to the what he saw in The Watchmen is is Iris Stephen Bear is is sort of um, he gets sort of distracted by that same <laughs> whiff of uh whiff of snatch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would have, you know, I would have loved some of uh, Grandma's peach tea in this. <laughs>
1: yeah. That is confoundingly dumb. But yes. Yeah. yeah nothing yeah. here is, is is that confoundingly dumb.
0: Yeah. Mm hmm. All right, what's well, got that going for it?
1: Yeah, well, I guess we were tougher on this episode. I just—I I mean, I didn't mean to be. <laughs> All right, well, what
2: about next week, guys?
1: Next week starts the shit, man. We are in the shit. Oh yeah, uh, Penumbra, and uh, it starts the ten-part series.
0: And uh, yeah, yeah. Next next episode is where we really start. Exp- it's a, basically next episode kicks off a, a. Well, maybe or maybe not, but what I you could almost see as a modern season of television of only 10 episodes telling a story. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure it probably won't do that as well as I've been talking it up for three plus years, but we'll <laughs> see. what we? Yeah,
1: I'm really interested in this. I mean, I was like, I'm really interested in what I think of these next episodes because I remember these more than I remember these cover. I mean, mm-hmm. that says something about the episodes, we, the slog we just kind of came through. But, like, I didn't remember any of this shit. But I remember these episodes, you know.
0: Right, mm-hmm. yeah. When when this was a Section Thirty One, I was like, "Oh, we're gonna learn something about Odo in this episode." Nope, mm-hmm. nope, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> spoilers, I guess. But, you get yeah. no spoilers. All it's right,
2: mm-hmm. well, you want to outro? Then
1: wait. And I do know that I don't think I will like the Kaiwin stuff. That's I'm laying out a marker, but oh, i to yeah. remember. I don't remember loving that stuff. Right. Oh, I know I do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So give us a call nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight. You know the drill there. We want to hear what you think. Follow us. Go to kickers podcast at Twitter. But then also, most of all, uh, I'll love you the most of all, Scared Crow. If you go to the Patreon at patreon.com slash kickersofelves and chip in, support us. And we'll give you... And there's all sorts of other audio content that we have over there for you to check out to give you something back too. So... Yeah, do that. If All right. Out. Well, that
2: wraps it up for this week and another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Well, we hope we come back next week as we talk about uh, <laughs> so another Are you another Walter of... Ridden. Yeah, come on back now, you hear? <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds like, huh? Uh, come back next week and as we go through another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine where Wade, James, and Hugh, three to beam out.
0: Mm-hmm. The book the world could not
1: lay down now stands with the great motion pictures of all time.
2: John Le Carre's magnificent best-selling novel, The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. What the hell do you think spies are?
0: I don't even know how to end this one, but there you go. Help these assholes out I guess. Or don't. Nobody can make you do anything. Don't listen to those other podcasts
1: who tell you differently.